Um, so we're back. Um, doing the Bible bitches thing. Uh, you know, talking about feminism, religion, comedy, history, culture, all the things. All the things. Yeah. And we're here with Wait. the one Sarah Hoff from Wait, did you did you put religion in there? Did I? I don't know. <laughs> but that too. PS. And also the Bible. Also the Bible. Also bitches. <laughs> All of the above. We are uh, we are the Bible bitches. Yeah, we consisting are consisting of Sarah Hoff from Los Angeles. Uh, I am. Do you have a motto? Do you share your motto, Sarah? <laughs> I have to come up with a motto. <laughs> it is 10:30 a.m. <laughs> this is stump the Sarah. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep lobbying ones like Sarah, what's that song you came up with this morning? <laughs> my motto is like, I don't know, farts or hearts. I have no idea. I like it. I like Dang. it. That's gonna be my next tat. <laughs> Will it, will it include like a, a like a personified heart that's farting? Yeah, obviously. Or just like two emo- like emojis. One's the heart, and one's the blowing wind. Um, you know what? It can be both, like an amalgamation. Yeah, yeah. I support that. Yeah, I support that. Yeah. That's going to be fun for you know your grandchildren or grandnieces mm-hmm. and nephews to discover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because then I'll be like, come here and look at your grandma's tattoo. Gather around, children. <laughs> Back before the apocalypse, we had these things called emojis. <laughs> oh, that all went away in the climate wars of 2050. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like that you're giving us like a full, what is that, 18 years? Yeah, yeah. I'm prophet- This is me prophesying to you right now, Sarah. I think I did the math wrong. 28 years? Yeah. Whatever. It does not matter. Yeah, 28 years. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Bible bitches. It's in we another way. We do math. We prophesy. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, and I'm coming at you from, uh, I'm Laura Barclay, and I am in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, home of bourbon, horses, and um, the Ohio River. <laughs> That's a solid elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, just so you know, she definitely did a thumbs up with that. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Today, um, on our second episode of this season, thank God we made it through COVID, except for for fingers crossed. It's probably still, there's another variant probably coming. So, you know, whatever. You know, we're soldiering on. We're gonna post this in a month, and it's just gonna be like tumbleweeds outside. <laughs> we're all like living underground. Yeah, but this is when the the zombies finally came. This is the zombie portion. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so we're assuming like, anyone, assuming anyone's listening, this is... it, it mutated the wrong way, guys. <laughs> oh can you imagine like this is the one this is the one thing people can listen to and it's just like it's just like us talking about (laughs) bullshit (laughs) god damn it 
So like, are there any are there any other humans out there? Any other humans? And it's just like us being like, farts. <laughs> if if we end up being like this this generation's or this world's legacy for you know the like next iteration of humanity, it's that's going to be a sad Sorry. sad thing. Sorry, so, kids. We apologize, the world. <laughs> that said we're we're back on our bullshit and we're still we're still Indeed. doing our thing and today we're talking about king jehoram and the cannibal mothers um from this is from second chronicles and like a, a kind of a mishmash between second chronicles and second kings um so you probably skipped this and your bible study if you went went to any if not <laughs> Not that's fine. Everybody just buckle up. There's are gonna be some tasty babies being eaten. There's like, you know, the attempted murder of a prophet. That's fun. This story's got everything. It does. Mostly death. Yes. Babies, kings, sackcloth, ashes, women, sieges, extreme poverty. Yes. (laughs) A terrible king. Yes, the worst. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll start us I'll start us off. So, we're going to back up actually a little bit from King Jehoram and um give a little bit of history. So, King Solomon died in um 922 BCE after a 40 year 40-year reign. Um after his death, there's like a schism among the Israelites with Israel as the northern kingdom and Judah as the southern kingdom. Jehoram was the fifth king of Judah and ruled for eight years, uh, sometime in the eight, 840s BCE. Uh, just as an FYI, his father and predecessor was Jehoshaphat, which um, I don't even, I actually don't even like jump in Jehoshaphat, which I'm not even sure what that phrase means. Is it just like, good golly? I have no idea. I've only ever, like in my brain, it's associated with like, you know, old timey Westerns, like we had Joe Jehoshaphat, you know? Um, but I was able to, fi- I was able to find that it had some association with old episodes of, of like Batman, you know, like the original one with Adam sure. West. Like it was apparently a catchphrase that the old Robin would say, but I think it predates that. Like it, it goes back to like the 1800s. Remember what when, a weird phrase. <laughs> remember when uh, Batman didn't have like a, uh, like a, plastic six-pack and he was just this kind of like normal like you know just the normal layer of fat on yeah his. he had like a dad he was like a dad bod and like spandex 100 percent, which is kind of amazing it is. i kind of prefer that <laughs> I, I definitely do exactly dad bods for the win oh and fyi there are two Jehorams that are mentioned in some of these passages. And one, one is uh, the king of Judah and one is the king of Israel. And they're reigning at the same time. It can get yeah. confusing in some of the it passages. It does get confusing. And so um, I tried to, I, I feel like I tried to focus on the one that is the king of Judah, but if some Bible scholar is uh, listening to this and is like, no, you got it confused. Um, we tried to use like really good sources, you know, um, JSTOR. Um, I looked into the Oxford Bible Commentary and Collins and all that. Um, but still, 
it's highly likely I might've gotten something confused. Um, I actually, I really don't think so because from, from the, from the like low key, like in parentheses, the very little research that I did, (laughs) King Jehoram of Israel was actually like, um, like a quote unquote, quote, like good guy. Like he followed the law and was like, you know, believed, you know, did the sacrifices and like believed in gotcha. um, like God and everything like that. And then we have this King of Judah. That's like just kind of a dick. Okay. Yeah. Most of the stuff I found was on the dick one because I okay. couldn't find a whole lot about the good one. Okay. Yeah. So on with the thick King Jehoram. <laughs> um, so in order to ensure success from a succession from his father, Jehoshaphat, which is probably actually pronounced like Jehoshaphat uh, or something like that. But Jehoshaphat, we're just going to do that because that's what you know in our culture. Um, Jehoram has his six brothers murdered um, just as a nab for power. Like he just wants to consolidate, get, make sure he seizes the throne. Uh, this account can be found in Second Chronicles chapter 21, which also states that Jehoram walked in the ways of the kings of Israel as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So to be clear what that means, it's probably less about murdering his brothers um, than that he was considered evil, um, more for allowing pagan practices to occur as Ahab had married Jezebel and Jezebel encouraged the worship of the god Baal alongside Yahweh. Um, The monotheistic Israelite priests would go on to frequently cite worship of other gods uh, as the fear of judgment of God and also the reason why bad things had happened. The reason the region of Edom re- revolts and Edom or Edom Edom mm-hmm. is kind of like uh, we talked about it in our last episode. Um, it's a I forget exactly the word, but it's a uh, like kind of like a state or it's like a subsidy of mm-hmm. the kingdom of Judah. Mm-hmm. And so the region of Edom revolts. So that king sees that uh, King Jehoram is kind of like his power is a little bit shaky. And so they revolt, they win, and they have their own like city state, um, which just further shakes up Jehoram's power or his like stronghold, you know? So anyways, um, then Lebna revolts. And in second Chronicles, they cite the reason is because he had forsaken the Lord, the God of his ancestors. The King's house gets raided by Philistines, Arabs and Ethiopians. And in second Chronicles 21, there is a copy of a letter that prophet Elijah wrote to Jehoram with some (laughs) seriously sick burns stating Thus says the Lord, the God of your father, David, because you have not walked in the ways of your father, Jehoshaphat, or in the ways of King Asa of Judah, but have walked in the ways of the king of Israel and have led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem into unfaithfulness as the house of Ahab led Israel into unfaithfulness. And because you have, and because you also have killed your brothers, members of your father's house who are better than yourself, see (laughs) The Lord will bring a great plague on your people, your children, your wives, and all your possessions. And you yourself will have a severe sickness with a disease of your bowels until your bowels come out day after day because of the disease. (laughs) What, what a prophecy, what a curse. Uh... I I gotta say he's, um, well, so hold on. 
he's is it Elijah or Elisha that he tries to kill? Oh, okay, different different prophet, yeah. different prophet. Right. But that yeah, Eli- uh, yeah, Elijah is laying down the like sick burns. Yeah, and uh, and I also love. I also just like really love two things. One one just like the the really really nailing it down on like everyone's better than you and like you're you're gonna like everybody's everybody's gonna be in a bad way your bowels your bowels are gonna just get real bad like they're gonna literally fall out of your body it's gonna be really bad and also when he dies like after that like the his story ends in chronicles uh, it states he departed with no one's regret which is like, <laughs> the most passive aggressive burn it's so funny <laughs> well you know he's like just just a shit king because um just like a few uh verses after what we're going over today so in in the end of the story of what we're talking about today he tells one of his messengers to go kill elisha the prophet to cut off his head and elisha sees them coming and is just like oh this guy's coming to cut off my head like, totally and he's like, like totally he's like him. my boy elijah already said this guy yeah. bowels they're coming out of his body like it's not good yeah this dude has he's like no i'm not worried clear. about seeing your poopy pants over here <laughs> oh my goodness um, i love it okay. um yeah, so now we're going to jump over to another account of Jehoram's reign in 2 Kings 6, um, and there's a siege happening. And it's stated to be so bad that, quote, a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove's dung, which is about, I think, the equivalent of a cup, a cup of dove's dung, for five shekels of silver. Why would you buy Dove's dung? I would like to know, in what form is this? Are you collecting this? <laughs> yeah, like, like a teacup? Like, can yeah, you like, and how, are you dung. scraping this up off of something? Or are you like getting Dove's to shit in a specific area? Is right. it liquid when it comes to you? Surely it's dried out. Right, and then what are you doing with it? Are you like, uh, are, are you using it as like, uh, like a fire source that would smell terrible I, I mean it's probably just like a really good beauty treatment <laughs> that's like what that's what they're worried about in a time of like great famine where they <laughs> can't buy even like a donkey's head <laughs> you know jokes on us Sarah by the time this comes out and another variant comes people are going to be buying a cup of dove's dung for five nickels of silver I don't know yeah whatever that is a whole cab whole cab of doves done a whole cab cab with a k yeah so um so it's during this you know like again like great famine they're kind of like trapped on all sides um because if they go outside of the city there's definitely other cities or states that are like out there waiting to just like kill them all Mm -hmm. um and so a woman uh comes to comes to king jehoram and is all upset and um she it's actually like honestly it was it was a totally dick move so she's coming to him with this complaint that she had made a deal with another woman that they would that like the day before they were going to boil and eat the complaining woman's baby and then this next day they were going to eat the other woman's baby but the other woman hid her baby so they can't eat it now 
there is some some I don't know debate about who these women are in in the society like in the context um calling them women um I think there was another word that they used for it suggests that maybe they were prostitutes and like or unwed um and that's kind of neither here nor there but in the social context that might have something to do with how this all goes down anyways so um she begs for help from King Jehoram to, I don't know, kill the other baby and eat it or just to have it some sort of justice about it. And like, I would imagine how like how desperate do you have to be to kill your own baby and eat it? And also, I was reading that there was it's unclear if the babies were already dead and they just boiled and ate it or if they were alive and then they killed it and boiled and ate it, ate it. So that's that's another layer that's kind of like neither here nor there towards the whole point of this, but it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she goes to King Jehoram and begs, and he says, no, let the Lord help you. How can I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? But then the king asked her, what is your complaint? And she answered, the woman said to me, give up your son. We will eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, give up your son and we will eat him. And she had hidden her son. So it, it's pretty, it's just pretty shitty. Like this whole situation is a bad situation. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, and so naturally King Jehoram is upset. I mean, this is a, this is a horrific story. Um, and he tears his clothes and walks around in a sackcloth, which is what people did in that day to show that they were grieving. And the king says, so may God do to me and more if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, stays on his shoulders today. So pretty weird response. He's like, I'm going to kill a prophet of God because I'm angry, which is, I feel like, a really kind of way to scapegoat and shift your own responsibility in the situation, Jehoram. <laughs> just just saying he sends a messenger king Jehoram sends a messenger to go kill this prophet of god because he's angry now this prophet of god is elisha and i would i'm just going to read you what how elisha responds in the new american standard bible version um so verse 32 now elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him and the king sent a man from his presence but before the messenger came to him he said to the elders do you see how the son of a murderer has sent a man to cut off my head look (laughs) when the messenger comes shut the door and hold the door shut against him is the sound of his master's feet not behind him (laughs) while he was still talking to them behold the messenger came to him um, and, and he said, behold, this evil is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? And then weirdly, he, uh, kind of flips the script and says, then Elisha, Elisha says, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. Um, and the Royal officer, I mean, I might as well just finish it out. The Royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning, responded to the man of God and said, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this thing happen? Then he said, behold, you are going to see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. So like, he's just, he's just like, fuck all y'all. So it's unclear to me why Elisha would then flip the script, but we'll get back to that in a minute. 
Yeah, I actually think that, well, I don't know. I wonder if it's because Elisha is concerned about the famine, but doesn't really give a crap about Jehoram. Like he's, he's like, it's kind of clear that he's sort of like burning Jehoram. Like, <laughs> oh, sure. look at this murder. Like, like. <laughs> got off my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird thing. I was, I was reading some stuff about that. Um, and like a few different papers trying to explain why they would, why God would like offer Jehoram like mercy in this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And so there's like, you know, one theory that the, the, the death of the baby was seen by God as a sacrifice and that like it doesn't make sense to me i mean it and so like this sacrifice would then like appease god and like you know put god's grace back onto the kingdom of judah seems pretty brutal well and also like so it it truthfully does not track Mm -mm. however i will say that my understanding of the god of the old testament is exactly that narcissistic and mean where they would be like oh he did a thing it had to be about me yeah yeah it's well I mean it's it you know um I remember one way it was sort of described was that you know if you read through the old testament from start to finish it's really about sort of a tribalistic god becoming a much larger kind of entity um Mm -hmm. like for a whole nation and then potentially beyond and so like uh it's i i think that's why i've always liked the idea of process theology that god that god matures with us um even if i'm not sure that that's what i believe but i i like the idea of it because it's like <laughs> depending on what part of the story you're reading you're kind of like well that's kind of a dick move you know or it's being interpreted as a dick move or whatever um so but yeah 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 or maybe it was like at this point king jehoram um had like properly fulfilled the deuteronomic curse you know but also like the turning point comes when he tries to kill god's prophet right like no one's really asking for god or i don't know maybe people aren't really asking for god's intervention and then like and then when he tries to kill god's prophet god like Elisha asks for intervention. So I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I mean, just in terms of like actually reading it for what it is, that, that could be it, but, um, and maybe a warning about going after God's prophets. But um, from, I was reading uh, an article, Wang Hart's uh, Character, Judgment and Ethics of Reading the Bible by Stuart Lacine. Um, and Lacine uh, suggests the possibility that Jehoram's response of wearing sackcloth and ashes and demanding Elisha's death is juxtaposed, is there for the purpose of juxtaposing King Solomon's wisdom with the harlot mothers, like the whole, I think that's, I think the story that he's referencing there is the one about like um, fighting over the baby and the like saying cut it in half and then the real mother, whoever the real mother is, is like, no, you know, I don't, don't cut the baby in half. Um, and Solomon ruled about 75 years before Jehoram. So Jehoram, the land, uh, the land he governs and his people are essentially punished for not being as wise as Solomon 
or to highlight how godlike and smart Solomon is. Like maybe it's this, um, maybe it's almost, or maybe it's the purpose of, of criticizing Jehoram's reign as a sense of like, look how crappy he is. And this is why we're here is because of how bad he is versus how good Solomon was. Yeah. And so I, I was reading something about that too. My, like in that, in that juxtaposition, I guess, my, like, or my general understanding, first of all, of King Jehoram is like, he's just basically like a super stubborn, will do anything for power asshole. So he like kills all six of his brothers to get in to reign. Then he puts his whole kingdom um, in a really, really like gnarly position because he refuses in this in the story he refuses to like bow down to god he keeps mm-hmm. like worshiping idols mm-hmm. and he is mad at you know and then he like gets mad at the prophet for in what i interpreted in, and there are a lot of different interpretations and but i interpreted it as him being like um <laughs> kind of taking out his frustration like he refuses to take responsibility for his position and his kingdom's position. And yeah. so therefore he's like blaming the prophet who is in commune with God, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and then like wants to kill him instead. Um, and so, and so, and so then in juxtaposition, in juxtaposition with King Solomon, King Solomon is this wise and like lawful and God-fearing and does all the sacrifices. And so there's like, that's an interesting juxtaposition, but I'm not like convinced about. And so like maybe the babies are a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it could just be as simple as, you know, if, if, if we're writing, uh, you know, an article like for a political science magazine and we're, you know, for our, our secular context, and we're comparing, uh, you know, Trump's um, relationship with Russia versus, I don't know, Obama's relationship with Russia. Like, you know, it's like, it's almost, I wonder if it's taking like a, a, a article that's critical of one leader, comparing it to a better leader and using one facet by which to compare them. Um, right. I don't know. That's, that's just a way of looking at it from our modern context. Um, but I also found uh, a feminist companion to Samuel and a feminist companion to Samuel and Kings edited by Athalia Brenner Idan. Um, this quote, um, when I read the cannibal mother, I find a story of betrayal and powerlessness. The only person she can access is a kindly but peculiarly powerless King. Those that, are, that hold the real influence are shut away behind closed doors. The true cannibals in this story are the rulers of Israel who eat the flesh of God's people and God, the cannibal parent who allows it. The most difficult aspect of the woman's experience is knowing that food was only a miracle away. We interpreters must retain an awareness of the power we have to re-victimize characters and or reinforce negative images of women. Elisha and God seem irredeemable from the woman's perspective. As with much theodicy, there is room for anger towards God and God's representatives. Unfortunately for the woman, she cannot step out of the story and wonder if God has been co-opted into the deuteromistic theology, which is just a particular um, writer or series of thoughts um, that incorporate like um, uh, 
it's kind of like the deuteromistic thought. Um, so along with Deuteronomy and, and Kings and several other books. Um, but, but she goes on to say, but I am not sure that that would relieve her pain really. So like that, that in fact, it's, it's kind of the power players that are including Elisha and God that are problematic in the story because they're all sort of maybe, you know, maybe they see, maybe they know the tragedy that's happening and could have intervened earlier. And if so, why not? If, if relief is a miracle away, then why, why not, why not step in before babies are dying and women are experiencing tragedy? Yeah. Yeah. I will just, I, I, I get, I get that. I will disagree with the statement of this like kindly, but ineffectual um, leader. I really don't think he was, I don't think any part of that dialogue was meant as merciful from his perspective you know like I don't think he was kind and I don't think that tracks with his character right his initial response was like no let the Lord help you (laughs) right like which which okay like here's the thing this is what pisses me off um (laughs) inter rant um I just really don't like a theology in general that sort of pushes things off onto, onto God because it takes our own individual culpability away. Like if, you know, people can believe whatever they want to, you know, in private or, or whatever about God, but like at the end of the day, we're the ones here that have to like work towards a better future. And so I don't, I don't like shifting the blame in general to God or, you know, and off of worldly leaders. I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, that, that take. So I have a, I have a few things that I, I'm not even sure if this is a good hot take, but um, the woman in that story, she has one, like two lines. The whole story is about, you know, his response and then how that, um, like how that response ended up ending the the famine, right? Mm-hmm. And ended up having um, the other the other cities that were laying siege. They retreated, mm-hmm. and that's how they like that's how they ended up ending the famine was because that night um, this other this other city or this other um, uh, kingdom was waiting outside the gates, and like their whole army is like waiting outside the gates. And then um, they hear like what they think are chariots. They all flee, leaving all their stuff. And like two two uh, people with leprosy go outside of the city gates. They see this and they're like, let's take a bunch of sh- stuff. But also maybe we should tell the king before the morning or else we're fucked. And so they do. He's suspicious. He sends some people out. They find it deserted. And then they just, you know, ransack the place. So it's a it's a whole weird situation you know where she she plays a like a really crucial part but we can't really like I'm not exactly comfortable with putting any like uh uh like uh emphasis on her or like who she is yeah I I agree we don't have enough information about her and what even like you said we don't even know if the babies were already dead alive like there's not, I mean, it's all just terrible. Like, I think it's a stand in. I don't necessarily read a whole lot of what's in the Bible as, you know, factual. Um, and so I, you know, 
look at this and just see it as a stand-in for horrific famine, you know? And, and on top of that, uh, what, what caused it in the first place? And, and it sounds like King Jehoram was, was a terribly ineffectual leader from two different sources in the Bible. And, and so if like, let's, let's step over to Elisha. Like the thing about any sort of prophet is that a lot of times you have this written afterwards. And so you can say someone prophesied something and like, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. And like, maybe, maybe you got it right half the time. I don't know. But like, it wasn't like, uh, it's almost like a series of events happened that became positive, right. For a net positive for the people. And so Elijah can take, Elisha can take credit for it, which is fine, but in a, in a, in a fine way of interpreting things. However, I think that like what got them into the situation in the first place was King Jehoram's like, you know, international relations and, and how shit he was as a leader. Um, now part of, is part of the blame, the fact that he allowed, um, you know, polytheistic practices. Yeah. It sounds like it, but it also sounds like, um, in terms of legitimate criticism of his reign, from a 21st century lens that he was not a compassionate leader. Right. Well, so when I was, when I was reading this, I kept coming back to those pictures that occasionally circulate around the internet of like Russia mid famine from like the thirties. You're like, it's just like people with like, you know, cannibalized, like all chopped up, like little babies all chopped up. It's really or like, like a wheelbarrow of money just to get like a chicken. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were cannibalizing each other and it was a real issue. Really? Uh, I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. No. Wow. And there are pictures of like people selling human body parts. Oh God. It's wow. wild. So it doesn't like that kind of thing. I wouldn't put it past a leader to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very ruthless, mm-hmm. clearly. Just uh, to kind of allow it to happen and not, not not realize how bad it is yeah like yeah or just not care and then when she comes to him and his like quote-unquote kind like kindness where he's like what does he say what do you want for me or something like that yeah and then he blames the prophet yeah to me that read as him being like what do you want me to do but like irritated you know what do you want me to do about this like go to your god yeah. And also it's kind of interesting. Okay. So he walks around in a sackcloth and ashes now, like we're, we're like a good way into this famine. if people are eating babies, like, is this just kind of performative? Yeah. Like yeah. I, you know, I don't, I think that people, you know, the sackcloth and ashes thing can be <laughs> interestingly. Um, one of my ancestors did that. He's a Quaker minister in Scotland, but it was more of a like protest when he did it. Um, like it was very, you know, meant as, meant as a protest, like it was meant to be seen. And so like, I think when you're doing that, you're like, it's an explicit show of, of, of your feelings, but for him, he's got something at stake in this, Mm -hmm. right. Of like, oh yeah, I'm in grieving. Like, I know things are bad. You guys, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know. Like I'm one of you, I'm one of you. I'm one of the people. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, he's grieving, but he's certainly not um, repentant for anything that he's doing, mm-hmm. you know? No. He's still blaming other people for it. 
Right. It would be one thing if he was like, oh shit, I've, I've not been a good leader. Like this is my reckoning. What am I going to do about it? But he didn't do that. No. He's like, where is your God now? Yeah. (laughs) Essentially. Yeah, essentially. Um, And also I'm going to go kill his prophet. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, it's kind of shit. Like I think he's, I think he, I I think he's scapegoating Elisha and God at this point and, and wanting to be bailed out of his own responsibility. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm, it sounds like we're both like strongly bagging on Jehoram here. For, for sure. I feel like we can sum this up with Dick's going to be Dick's. Dick's going to be Dick's. Yeah. That's what, that's what they're going to do. Also, he killed all of his brothers. He killed all of his brothers. That's horrible. Which makes me think that he's the youngest, right? Because he wouldn't have to kill all of his brothers if he was. No, he actually, I think he was the oldest. Then why Which did he shit, right? Yeah, like, why, why? Or I guess maybe he was worried that they would kill him. He was just, like, being proactive. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just being this paranoid butthole. Like, I don't know. I He's, he's Mr. Burns, is what we're saying. He's Mr. Burns. Yeah, Actually, sure. I think that is, like, an amazing... <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I think that's a really good example <laughs> or, like, uh, you know, analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Can't you just see him coming to Elisha like like Smithers like Elisha <laughs> with his little tinted fingers, with his little tinted fingers, and Elisha's like, "What a dick bag!" Like, you, <laughs> Elisha. Honestly, Elisha's got the sickest burns. Like, I'm I mad respect for that. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be wild to be in a position where you're like, I have like unlimited power to make or break you yeah you're coming to me to cut my head off Mm -hmm. what is that about what is that and and also elisha's got to be sitting over there going like look i know this guy's gonna die of real bad pooping disease so i'm gonna bail the people out but you know what he's still gonna die of poopy disease (laughs) why i the messenger does die um, he gets trampled in the like in the, that morning he gets trampled by all the people like rushing the gates to get to the um, uh, like deserted camp oh <laughs> so don't kill the messenger does that come from this I so I looked it up and there so the like the first thing that came up on google was that it's a, a Shakespearean reference ah. but then there was also a reference to um something from like the 400s bc oh is this the um oh i think i know this one it's um it was a it was it was how a marathon was invented um a, a guy was running essentially ran didn't isn't that where it came from like a guy ran but i think he died like i think he like came to say like somebody's invading in greece and then died and then the marathon uh-huh. was invented to commemorate that guy. Oh, the idea was expressed by Sophocles as far back as 442 BC. So from the like, from the first page of Google, where I did not click on any links, I'm just <laughs> reading the first sentence. <laughs> Sophocles. And I can say that with full confidence. <laughs> I like the idea. I just want the show to just turn into us Googling things in real time. <laughs> <laughs> But not reading any of the articles. We're just like, here's the first thing. We're just going to throw this out. <laughs> the next episode will be, we Google the Knights Templar. 
it was something in the middle ages i don't know it, was cool. it seemed like it was cool yeah like rituals and shit i don't know i don't know i don't know something about chain mail i don't something about like maid Miriam, i think yeah like Robin Hood. <laughs> all right you guys um thank you so much for joining us today um if you get any takeaway from this just remember that king jehoram was a huge asshole and mm-hmm. uh they still exist today dick's gonna be dicks you know jump in jehoshaphat jump in jehoshaphat <laughs> if you want to you know stalk us a little bit you can follow us on instagram at bible bitches uh or okay. twitter oh bible bitches podcast on instagram yeah. or at bible bitches on twitter um you can find us on like soundcloud and stitcher and itunes and wherever you're listening to us now um and what else oh yes um shout out to yo eves miss eves does our the intro and outro music and you can find her on twitter at yo eves indeed and also we now have a live website (gasps) called http (laughs) colon colon backslash backslash (laughs) www biblebitchespodcast.com please um dial into the interwebs and should you be surfing should you be surfing the world wide web oh god i love surfing the world wide web (laughs) you you have access to aol online (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can chat us up on aim (laughs) (laughs) yes but what was your what was your old screen name on AIM? I think it was just Sarah Ehoff. Oh yeah, just, mine was my gamer name. Yeah, which was oh God, oh God, Lady Minerva. <laughs> I love you so much. And like a number because I couldn't get Lady Minerva, but it was like Lady Minerva and a number. Yes, <laughs> That's I was amazing. really into I was really into like Greek and Roman gods. Still am. Yeah, no <laughs> shame. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. We will be back next time with a two-parter on the Knights Templar. Um, so we look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye. Bye. Love you. Yeah.